0: Welcome to episode number 99 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we talk all the big bets, all the big news, all the big happenings in this crazy, crazy sports betting industry of ours. Hey, we might even touch on a little bit of poker, touch on a little bit of DFS as well. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Stitcher, Google, Apple Podcasts. Please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We really do appreciate it. At the Lions US, at US. On Twitter, Brett, we are going to tell people this is called a tease to hang around. We are going to talk to Dane Brugler from The Athletic. We're going to talk all things NFL draft with him. Great conversation with some really good insight. And uh, hey, look, he might not be a big uh, sports better when it all comes down to it. But we were able to we were able to fashion the questions where we got some uh, we got some answers that maybe we can make actionable.
1: Yeah, it's good to have a guy like that come on the show because he's not, you know, he 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 sees things differently than we do. It's nice to have that outside perspective, a guy who's just ingrained in football all year round. So uh, a lot of good stuff from Dane. Uh, I'm so excited about the NFL draft, man. We we have we've had nothing really to, to to look at from a betting perspective in in a month now, and I've never been this excited about the NFL draft before. I'm yeah. so pumped.
0: Yeah, I mean we're 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 definitely. Um... We are definitely, listen, we're starved for something to bet on (laughs) as it is anyway. So things have gotten, yeah, things have definitely gotten, you know, just out of control here when it comes to what we're going to do with the NFL draft. If you guys haven't been over to the lines recently, go ahead and head over there. There is a handy dandy button right there on the front page, right in front of you that says NFL draft. You can click it and all of our content will come up. We've got, uh, you know, we've got picks and videos and everything and breakdowns all over the place. So be sure and take a look at those. And of course, we'll have a draft special on Wednesday. We'll have a podcast for you. And then on Thursday, we're going to go live. So we will have a, a live stream. We'll talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday as well, but be sure and put that on your calendar because we're going to try and help you make a little bit of money along the way whenever we are betting this, this draft come Thursday. Brett, let's talk about uh, some more betting news that happened. Everybody knows of the Superbook here in Las Vegas over at Westgate. They hold the gigantic Handicapping Contest that everybody is familiar with, the Super Contest. You and I have talked about it, you know, every time that it that it happens every year here on the podcast. And they are now taking their talents over to Colorado.
1: Yeah, the Superbook super uh, partnered with the Lodge Casino in Colorado. It's about 50 miles outside of Denver to offer legal sports betting. They are uh, throwing their hat in the ring with more than a dozen others. So it's going to be very competitive. It's going to be very active in Colorado. Uh, Superbooks license was approved on Thursday. Doesn't sound like a retail operation will be open for a while. I think they were originally looking at August 1st, just in time for football season. But obviously the pandemic has, has put a halt on a lot of things. Don't know when they'll have the retail operation going, but their mobile betting will be available at some point in May. It sounds like unsure if they're going to go live on the May 1st launch date. Uh, for the state like others will, but they won't be far behind. So, uh, yeah, Superbook, huge brand, obviously the biggest sports book in the world, I believe the one they have in Vegas. So um, this sets up is is the most interesting state, I think, for sports betting to date, just because of the, the ease to access for operators uh, and, and all at the same time, DraftKings and FanDuel won't have a head start like they did in New Jersey. So for the first time, we're going to see these European books and DFS operators face off against a legacy book like the Superbook. It's going to be a lot of yeah. uh, it's going to it's going to be super interesting to watch this play. It
0: really is. And I mean, you, you mentioned largest sports book that is, uh, you know, that will change here this year when right. Circa opens up and Circa is going to be another player. That is going to be involved there in Colorado, and I think one of the interesting things for us that we're going to monitor here, you know, Brett is, is can these guys compete against these, you know, guys from the, the that have you know been in uh, over there on the East Coast for the last year? And you know, you're going to say, Matt, what are you talking about? Of course, these guys can can compete their, you know, their staples within Las Vegas, but it's a different market here in Nevada than we're going to be talking about in Colorado, as you just mentioned the retail is going to be pretty much nil. It's going to be almost zero there in Colorado. If you guys have never been to a Colorado casino, they are in very remote locations of the state. It's not like if you're in Denver, you know, you, you just hop in, you just hop into a casino. That's not how it works. And not only that, you know, you know how the weather gets in Colorado. Some of these places are in remote locations where they're even hard to navigate to during the winter, whenever the, uh, whenever the weather's bad. So, you were talking about basically almost entirely an online and mobile state here in Colorado. And, you know, Brad, I mean, look, we've talked about it time after time here on this podcast, and I'm not going to sit here and, and hold back again when it comes to this. And that's the fact that the apps here in Nevada are leaps and bounds worse than they are with the apps that are going on over on the East coast. And so DraftKings and FanDuel and PointsBet are all going to come into that market with these slick apps not only do they have these apps that function better but also since they're on the algorithm system they have their betting menu is going to be exponentially larger than what you're going to find at Superbook and Circa and so you know i i, I don't know it's just we are really it really is going to be a case study here for us finding out if you know should should Circa and should the Superbook come in and offer bigger limits and should they be a little bit better on the juice and a little bit better on the hold and, you know, different things like that. I mean, is it going to make a difference to betters? And that's what, that is a debate that we've had over in Jersey and Pennsylvania, but we haven't really had to, uh, we haven't really had a chance to see it play out, but we are going to see this play out in Colorado and we're going to find out once and for all, I think, Brett, whether, whether people care about juice or care about limits or care about any of that stuff, or if it's just, Hey, give me the most amount of things that I can bet on Give me the best in game product and give me the slickest app
1: yeah it's it's going to be the the new school Fandle with its marketing techniques and, and technology up against the experienced trader with with better lines and bigger limits and transparency like a superbook or circa. I am super interested to see how this plays out because we haven't seen it yet
0: yeah no and, and the other thing that I think that is going to to play heavily in this and this is something certainly that uh, the guys at Superbook and Circa uh, have to have seen happen over the last two years and and have to have some sort of plan. I can only imagine is the fact that the other thing we know that FanDuel and DraftKings and PointsBet and all these other, even BetMGM, now that they've been kind of taken over by GVC and have a little bit more of a European look as well with everything, they are going to splash around the marketing dollars as well. And You know, the super contest, as you mentioned, it's a big deal within the sports betting industry. It's not a big deal within just casual sports fans. There aren't people who just know what the super contest is just because they're they're a sports fan here. So while that will get you some sort of cachet for sure within the sports betting industry there in Colorado, people who are already familiar with things. It isn't going to just automatically draw people to your brand. And we know what DraftKings and FanDuel and PointsBet and all them are going to do. They're going to be super aggressive with promotions and sign up bonuses and and retention things that they've seen. We've seen this play out already, you know, in in Jersey and Pennsylvania. And so I can I hope for the the Circa and, and Superbook's sake, they know that already and have something in mind, because if not, it's going to be it's going to be tough to acquire customers.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the, the other aspect of this is that the Super Contest will be heading to Colorado, too. According to what Jay Cornegay told our fairway, fairway Jay this week, it's going to be a $500 buy-in to start compared to the $1,500 buy-in in the Las Vegas contest. And it will be completely separate from the one in Nevada. Uh, but this does give us a glimpse into what Superbook plans to do as it expands into new states. I know there are, I think there are between 8 and 12 states they plan to to enter uh, over the next few years. So it uh, looks like a lot of smaller handicapping contests across the country, uh, surely with the, the ultimate hope that there will be changes to the Wire Act that allows the brand to have a nationwide contest. But you know Superbook wants this to be their thing. They want the handicapping contest to be theirs, and uh, they're going to continue with it as they expand into Colorado.
0: Yeah, and I do think that that is one of the things that they have going for them when it comes, when it comes down to it is you know they have been running a contest for a long time and know how to run a contest. I can only imagine they are going to be met with some with some uh, competition this year, with all of that. So it, it, Colorado is going to be fascinating. Can't wait to see how that all plays out there, guys. We have a revised sports schedule for at least one of the sports now. Whether this holds true, don't know. We'll find out, Brett. I mean, like we don't. I mean, listen. This is this is something that the the PGA put out. We do have a revised golf schedule starting things up on June the 8th um, and, and getting back to work there on June the 8th. So we're still talking, you know, a solid six weeks from now before we're looking at the PGA Tour back on the golf course out there. But listen, we've even seen the golfers come out and say it so far. Happy to have the schedule out. Of course, everything is day by day. We fully understand that this could change. We understand that this is, uh, you know, these first couple tournaments might not happen. That being said, it sure as hell does feel good to be able to look at a calendar and see that there's going to be tournaments every week starting in June, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a start. And no, we don't know if this revised schedule will hold. But if there's a sport then that can adhere to physical distancing measures, it is golf. I mean, these guys don't have to stand near each other uh, to get rounds in. So, yeah, this is exciting. Uh, the, the first tournament back, we're looking at June Uh, mid-June here with the Charles Schwab, Charles Schwab challenge at Colonial Country Club. Say that five times fast. Why do they do (laughs) that to us? Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but that would be, Colonial would be a great return uh, for for mid-June. And then they've got events lined up every week from there. A lot of moving around. Some events got tossed out this year, but uh, a really, uh, a nice list leading up to the PGA Championship in early August, and then obviously the U.S. Open in September, and uh, hopefully the Masters in November. Um, interesting, though, that uh, the only major on this year's schedule now will be the PGA Championship. Uh, the Open Championship was canceled, and then the U.S. Open and Masters will be part of next season's schedule. So 2020, 2020 and 2021 season will have six majors on the schedule. So with everything, everything being pushed back, it uh, makes for, for an interesting season if, if they get this in.
0: Yeah. And as you mentioned, I mean, look, if there is one sport that could possibly go about doing this, it would be golf. I mean, you know, these guys play, these guys play in front of no fans all the time because they play, you know, they, every practice round that they play with them and their buddies, it's just, you know, I mean, everybody's played golf and and you can go out there and you can play golf if they do it right. Keeping well away from other people. And only the only thing you're ever going to touch is your ball and your clubs and you know, all the things like that. I mean, I've always said that golf seems like the one thing that they could actually keep going here. If they're able to just test all the golfers before a tournament starts and make sure that everyone is, uh, you know, test negative, then I don't see a reason you couldn't do golf. I mean, uh, you'd have to test the, the employees as well, obviously. But, you know, hopefully, again, we're talking about, as you mentioned, we're not talking about till June. There's supposed to be, you know, millions more tests available and made by then. So we should have enough tests to where as the PGA tour moves from city to city, you just make sure that the employees and the golfers are all are all testing negative for the virus. And then, uh, you know, you're going to have to play without fans out there. But, you know, I think we've moved pretty rapidly, Brett, to the point where we're like, hey, look, it seems really weird that these sports would want to play without fans to the point of uh, you know what? I play with no fans, play with what I don't care. Play on a damn cell phone feed for me. I don't care. Like I don't even care if you have proper cameras out there. Just get me something.
1: Seriously, man. I mean, we're we're preparing for the NFL, MLB, NBA without fans. So I mean golf is golf is whatever. What what is interesting with as far as the betting goes on these is how are they going to track where the balls are on the course for every hole? So I mean the the, the tracking will be Way behind where it was uh, before all this went down because I think they they had like hundreds of people tracking balls on the course uh, for any given round. So that that part of it is is going to be interesting to see how um, what betting options will be available with the lack of tracking on the course. But look, just give us matchups, give us outrights. That that's that's all we really need at this point, right? And if you want to head over to DraftKings,
0: I mean, you know, PGA Championship. You as you mentioned, August. Uh, right there at the beginning of August, the lines are already up, you know, right now over there. Brooks Kepka, the favorite at plus 800 uh, tied there with Roy McElroy at plus 800. Rom at nine to one. Dustin Johnson, 11 to one. Tiger at 12 to one. Justin Thomas, 16 to one. Justin Rose, 18 to one. Everyone else. 22 to one or longer but brett you know one of the things that this did with golf handicapping and we'll move into to talking about baseball here but one of the things that this also did was just change the way with this with this pandemic and this break and whatnot that was i saw a couple of odds makers talking about how this changed the way that they have priced these tournaments because you look at a tiger woods for example who was having to pull out of tournaments because he was injured and because, uh, you know, wasn't in the greatest of form. Well, you know, we don't know what form anybody's going to be in as we head into these things, because everybody's been off for so many weeks. And not only that, it gives some of these guys who were battling some injuries and nagging things and whatnot sometimes to, to, to rehab and get healthy before we get the, the season going as well. So they actually had to kind of reformulate in their brains how to handicap these tournaments because nobody's really going to have any form. And on top of that, you're going to have people who weren't healthy and you were thinking, okay, well, I'm going to price him this way because he's entering not healthy and in kind of bad form. Well, now, you know, everyone's form is going to be on a level playing field and actually some of these guys will be able to get
1: healthy. Exactly. Yeah, this is a challenge for odds makers. I'm really, there's a lot of uncertainty too about who is going to play in this first tournament back. The the Charles Schwab is usually an event that doesn't draw a lot of big names. You know, Kevin Na won last year's, a bunch of guys in the top 10 here that, don't normally finish there are is everyone going to come back and play this first event back
0: I know right I mean that is that I I, you have to think that if the precautions are in place that there would be a, a healthy contingent of guys that wanted to get back out there but hey you know again we, we're do everything is day by day right now we don't know where we're going to be in two weeks we don't know where we're going to be in three weeks and if there's like another kind of rash of 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 uh, let's call it, um, you know, for lack of a better term, another outbreak, you know, at any part of the country or whatever. I mean, who knows? I mean, is something is someone willing to get on a plane? I know most of these rich guys fly private, but I mean, you know, there's a healthy there's 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 a, a good bit of the field that doesn't fly private. I mean, are they going to be able to get on a plane or want to get on a plane or are they going to drive just three right. days yeah. to get to a place or so You know, it's it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it all goes. Yeah. Um, Major League Baseball, of course, there is, we would be well into the season right now if things had not, I know, I know we'd be well into the season right now. We'd have so many baseball games under our belt had we not had to be dealing with the Corona right now. But hey, look, we are being postponed and we are trying to figure out how baseball gets played. And, you know, Brett, they're throwing out all kinds of different options from playing all the games in Arizona to playing you know, the games in Arizona and Florida and splitting it between the two places there and, you know, going on and on, you're getting players starting to weigh in about how they feel about those plans and how this might actually go. And, you know, we as sports bettors and even as sports books are really sitting here in limbo when it comes to Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah. So as we see here right now, we don't know what the 2020 season is going to look like, or even if there will be a baseball season at all. But I mean, if there is, it's going to be a shortened season in one way or another. And from the betting side, that piques my interest because baseball is already a game with a lot of volatility. And if you shorten the season, I think that increases the chances for like a mid-tier team to make a run. So if they do find a way to get this done, I think you're going to see – I think you might see some teams sneak into the playoffs and, and do some damage that normally would not have happened in in a regular 162 game season. So I'm, I'm hoping we get this done because there could be there could be some fireworks in, in a shortened season this year.
0: Yeah, I mean let's not forget. I mean a team like the a team like the Mariners last year didn't they start off like 13 and three yeah. or something and then ended up losing like <laughs> like 24 of their next 30 games or whatever. But you know they just started off you know, on fire. And that's like you said, all you need is a team to kind of make a nice little run. And could it be some of these teams, whenever you look at these world series odds that are still posted on a site like DraftKings, I mean, Brett, we're talking about like a team that, you know, at least made some upgrades and we said that, Hey, you know, we don't think that maybe they have enough to get it done, but okay, now let's shorten the season up a team like the white Sox that went out and really, really improved their team sitting at 35 to one, a team like the Indians that now, if the season shortened, do they even have a chance to move a Francisco? You know, the whole thought was, uh, it's not the Indians are going to do it. They're going to be trading play, play players off and all these different things like that. Well, I mean, we don't know how that's going to look now too. Now you have an Indians team who is a contender year after year, after year, after year sitting at 25 to one. I think there is some of these 25, 30 ish, 35 to one type teams where, once we get any sort of idea of how this is all going to play out, might be worth your dollar here. And, you know, you've listened to this podcast for 99 episodes now. You know that I'm certainly not a big-time futures player. I don't like to have my money locked up for as long as it takes. But with, with it being a shortened season, that's a little bit more appealing to me, and especially if I think that my money is fairly live on a 35, 33, 25 to 1 type bet.
1: Yeah, man, baseball is a game of streaks. And if you increase the variance, like it looks like we're gonna be doing, anything can happen. You know, I'm looking at the futures odds here. Not much has changed since the numbers were adjusted after free agency. I don't think these prices reflect the 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 true odds, the true percentages that would come with a shortened season. So this has been particularly fascinating to me. And we, we spoke with Johnny Avello with DraftKings about it this week. He essentially said that if there is realignment, they would have to reset everything. And there would be a lot of refunds on, on some of the like division odds and that kind of stuff, but world series futures would remain intact. So I see some, I do see some potential values in some of these teams in the, like the plus 2,500 to plus 5,000 range. I already have a ticket uh, on the Padres at plus 5,000. I love them in that spot. If they can get a shortened season and then kind of cut into the variance uh, or cut into the, you know, the, the lead that the Dodgers might have in a 162 game season right out of the gate. So yeah, I, I, I do plan to get some bets in here. As soon as we find out that uh, we're going to have a, it's some kind of season for baseball.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that we will, right. I think that we will have some sort of something now, what that might be, can't really say, but definitely some, sort of season here I think that also before we before we move on I think we should also mention that there are player futures still listed over on DraftKings as well and I think that that also throws in a pretty good uh, you know a pretty good kink in in a lot of these odds as to you know how it goes play I mean you know Mookie Betts the favorite to be the National League MVP well over the course of a season even if Mookie Betts has a two or three week uh, cold streak over the course of 162 games, Mookie Betts is going to write the ship and he's going to to be OK. But, you know, now if we're talking over an 80 game season or a 60 game season or whatever we might be talking about, you know, three weeks could really, really damage your your chances when it comes to MVP or something like that. So, again, just volatility when it comes to all this is like I would now never bet any of these shorter guys when it comes to any of these things, the Cy Youngs, the MVPs, whatever, because not only could they have a cold streak, but any sort of injury whatsoever now would definitely take you out of the running. So if I'm going to do this, Brett, I'm going to have my money on something where I'm getting paid out most likely at 25 to one or more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The injury is a big thing, too, like you said. I mean, Mike Trout missed 20-some games at the end of last year, still won the MVP. That would never happen in a in a 120, 140-game season. So I'm with you. I would never bet. I mean, Mookie Betts opened at plus 550 to win the NL uh, MVP. He hasn't moved. He's still plus 550. That's crazy to me. Yeah, So, no, yeah, I absolutely. Think you can find, find some value here with some of these mid-tier, even like long-shot players. Like, uh, let me just pull someone up here. I don't know, like a... Ozzie Albie's at plus 6,600. Who knows? I mean, right. the, you know, I like the Braves anyway. If, if he gets hot, he could win an MVP.
0: Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely. I mean, I, I think that there's something that I would be looking at pretty heavily again once we kind of start to see, you know, what are we going to get? Are we going to get 100 games even? Are we going to get, you know, 80 games? I don't know. Are we going to get half a season? It will be uh, pretty interesting there. And these odds are going to get, they're going to get pounded by me. You know, I might come out. <laughs> I might come out over, but I mean, I'm going to have, a, I'm going to be holding a bunch of of live 35 to 40 to 50 to 60 to one tickets i can tell you that yeah same um before we move into our interview with dane you know i think we should bring up here this is something that we kind of think saw the writing on the wall but uh pretty strong rumors and nothing's been confirmed but you're starting to see multiple people come out and say that the world series of poker is going to be a casualty to COVID-19. And, you know, Brad, I think this is something that if you really start to put the logistics together and you really start to add things up, it just makes sense that this was not going to be able to happen in 2020. I mean, you and I have both spent a ton of time at the World Series of Poker and you were talking a confined space with, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And then the act of playing poker itself, is just inherent to spreading disease. I mean, you're touching chips and you're touching cards that everybody else on that table is repeatedly touching over and over and over again. And people coughing and and rubbing, you know, their, their faces and all, all kinds of things like that. And, you know, when you really take a step back, I know it is such a bummer and it's, you know, something that, that you and I are certainly fond of and have been a part of for so incredibly long, but you know, for the health and safety of everybody, it just, it just did not make sense and doesn't add up.
1: I don't know how we've made it this far into April without this event being canceled. You would think poker would be one of the first things canceled because of the constant exchanging of chips and germs and cards. I mean, you're constantly in contact with other people. Why? Like how, how we made it this far without this thing being canceled yet. Yeah. I'm just, it's, I'm baffled by all of it, honestly. It is.
0: It's, it's yeah I mean, no, it's, it's, it's pretty, I mean, you and I were, you, I mean, from the get go, like as soon as this kind of started, we were running down, you know, the sports things and we started to say like, okay, this, that, this, that, yada, 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 yada. And then like, we got to poker and we're like, oh yeah, there's no way that's happening. And then like the weeks went by and like, it was still just kind of lingering out there and still, even as we record this, there's no official word that, that the WSOP, which by the way, is supposed to start in six weeks. Um has not been officially canceled, and you know, I mean, it just the way that you look at the nature of poker. And you and I have been actually the last time before you before you moved over to to work with us over here. The last time that I saw you at the World Series of Poker, you were sick as a dog, and I was was (laughs) on
1: my deathbed. That was just the real (laughs) flu, man. added like the but the threat of a an act like a real the coronavirus type virus. I. I just, I can't even picture it. All it takes is one, all it really takes is one person being confirmed to have it inside that room of thousands of people. And you've got a disaster. So yeah, it was, it was,
0: I mean, it, you know, people say we, they call it the Rio flu. They, whatever. you like? Everybody, if you spend enough time up there, you get sick over the course of the summer. It just happens to everyone it the way it goes. And we're just talking about, as you mentioned, that's just normal sickness. And now we are talking about something that. Is is as bad as as COVID nineteen, and there's just absolutely no way that this could go on as planned. Now, whether they outright cancel it or you know try to reschedule it or bump it back or whatever, I mean, I guess we we will see about that. But I think it's pretty. I think the writing is on the wall that come the end of May, we are not going to be throwing cards over at the Rio.
1: Yeah, I think the odds of it happening are so long that. I, Again, I, I don't know how we've we've come this far without it being canceled. But I think by the time we meet, maybe by the time we 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 talk again on Wednesday for the next podcast, there we might have some news. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking something has to come out here in the next couple of days.
0: We would definitely hope so. Anyway, people, you know, uh, you know, if they had made travel plans already, need to be going ahead and, and making contingency plans there yeah. for sure. Now, joining us here on the podcast is going to be uh, Dane Brugler. Guys, like stick around for this interview. Um, Me and Brett were able to really dig in with him in just you know short amount of time. This is obviously an incredibly busy time for him, but uh, twenty minutes of a guy who you know not only did a full seven round mock draft but put out this massive, gigantic preview of all the different players and whatnot. I mean, you were talking about a guy who knows the NFL draft inside and out. We were able to form these questions we think will help you as sports bettors as well kind of figure out how he is leaning towards first players taken number of players taken any sort of surprises that could come along the way so here's our interview with dane brugler now joining us here on the podcast could not be more excited to have dane brugler here the nfl draft analyst from over at the athletic very busy time for you we do appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us here today, man.
2: No, thanks for having me anytime.
0: So this is uh, this is basically your, I mean, <laughs> to use a, a term which actually isn't the case when I was going to say this is your Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, something like this uh, leading into the NFL draft, this is what you live and breathe and have for quite some time here. I know we're in some pretty, very, you know, some pretty interesting times right now. How has this changed How you've gone about all this? How has your evaluation processes changed? How has uh, have you heard from the leagues and the people that are going to be making the picks here in a few days? How has it affected those guys?
2: Yeah, there's no question. Everything's a lot different this year. And, you know, we had a full season. We had, uh, you know, the all-star circuit with the senior bowl and the all-star games. We had the combine. So much of the process was untouched and went business as, as usual. But then in the month of March, obviously, that's when things started to go a little different. And so when you talk about with teams and their routines, that's all different um it's not just the pro days and getting these 40 yard dashes but the biggest thing is the 30 visits each team's allowed 30 visits where they bring in these players to the facility Uh, for uh, a chance to meet the coaches to see, you know, not only the type of player they are, but the person, do do they fit culture wise? And those without those 30 visits, that that's a big piece of the pie. And uh, it's important for a lot of these teams. Now they still do these interviews through zoom and Skype and FaceTime, whatever. And uh, you know, that's, that's better than nothing, but it's still a much different process. And from my perspective, it kind of makes it tougher to figure out who likes who and uh, you know, it's in most years, there are certain teams where I know every year who they're taking in the first round. Like it's just their, their draft trends are very easy to figure out this year when everything's all different, it it makes it a little tougher, Mm -hmm. which on one hand makes it tougher to do your job. But on the other hand, it's a lot of fun as well, because at the end of the day, the NFL draft, it's it's fun. And even more so this year was the only show in town. So um, it, there's no question this year, there's more uncertainty and it should be a little bit more of a fun aspect to it.
0: So with a little bit less information on these guys for these teams here, and of course, we know that they're all going to be drafting, uh, you know, virtually and all that. Do you think more trades fewer trades i think we all think there's going to be some some wackiness involved here but i mean it, you know in without all the guys in the room together and everyone trying to talk each other into a certain player or, or getting into a certain spot do you, do you think that we see the the draft positions hold true a little bit more or do you think we actually see uh people toggling all over the place
2: yeah i think it'll be pretty similar as what we've seen in the past years uh, just because a lot of the trades I don't think people realize how many of the trades actually happen now, you know, the week before the draft, uh, you know, all that framework is put in place, uh, ahead of time where you're making calls and saying, Hey, we're open for business and we'd love to move up four spots. You know, what would it take? And, you know, you, you set the groundwork for those trades in the days and, you know, the week, week and a half leading up to, uh, the NFL draft. And so at it, by the time the draft gets there you really just have to say okay we, we, we in agreement still and yes okay move forward like the trades happen very quickly so uh, you know i don't if we don't see as many trades i don't think it'll be because of the circumstances uh because i think a lot of teams are still being active they're still uh, wanting to get add players and you know be creative with how they draft and so i think what we're going to see is the teams that are traditionally very good drafting teams, the Ravens, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the you know, teams that have the the process in place, they might be able to take advantage of the situation where teams that maybe had some turnover, uh, you know, a first year general manager, first year head coach, uh, you know, where they're still trying to figure out that communication. That's where there might be a little bit of a hiccup or something where there's potential for something to go wrong. And so uh, it's, there's just an extra wrinkle added to this year's draft process.
1: So Dan, I feel like with less sports to cover right now, I'm seeing more and more mock drafts than ever before. Mm-hmm. Now Matt and I are in the betting world. We're in the business of looking at where money and bets are coming in and how sports books are adjusting and setting odds. We're not 24 seven football guys like you are. So it's nice to have a football expert come on and offer opinion because you've been studying these players for years, you have a unique sense of what teams might do, uh, I think a lot of mock drafts out there are full of hot air just for clickbait purposes. Mm -hmm. Yours, yours have always been well researched and thoughtful as evidenced by this 246 page draft card you just released. I have to ask though, because a lot of people do look at these mock drafts to form opinions and then ultimately bet their own money based on those opinions. What are your general thoughts on mock drafts around the industry and how useful they are in predicting landing spots for players?
2: it's very tough because uh, you know, it's a domino effect. All it takes is one pick in the top 10 that we didn't see coming. And that throws off the rest of the first round, it, you know, and it, it just makes it really tough. You know, one trade uh, could, could throw off everything. And so, you know, I, I, I do have a, you know, I guess when I do a mock draft, I do feel a sense of responsibility to not just throw stuff against the wall and see what's, what sticks. I mean, I make a lot of calls. I, I, uh, try to connect the dots. Uh, you know, I, I researched draft trends and, you know, what teams have done in the past and what they're most likely to do. And, you know, I recently came out with a seven round, uh, mock draft and that, uh, that was in, in, a, a ton of research went into that just because, you know, if you're going to do it, I believe in doing it the right way. And, um, you know, I, 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 know I'm not going to get 32 picks, right. That's, that's not really the goal. I think the goal from my perspective is to just lay out plausible scenarios. You know what teams are talking about. Uh, you know this is this is a mock draft. This is one way it might play out. You know it might not actually happen that way. But that's at least how teams are talking. You know, they're talking about, uh, you know, drafting this player at this spot. Um, Now, that obviously could change before draft day, but at least that's what's being talked about. So uh, I do take a lot of responsibility. I feel responsibility, a sense of responsibility with my mocks to, uh, you know, put a lot of time and research into it to to make it, you know, not only be plausible, but what teams are talking about behind the scenes.
0: Well, let's circle back a little bit to that question we were talking about earlier here. It seems that it's going to go Burrow-Young. Those seem to be kind of set in stone here. And a lot of smoke around the Lions moving out of that three pick, even as right before we begin taping, starting to see even more that they came out and and basically advertised, like you said, that they are Mm -hmm. listening to all offers for that pick. How do you feel about them sticking with the three pick there or... Do you think that that they look to move out to acquire any sort of additional assets because Okuda is probably going to be there at five or six as it is anyway?
2: That's it. I I think they're, they're you know, whatever they say through the media, you're directly talking to the dolphins at five and the chargers at six, uh, you know, cause I think they would be perfectly fine moving back to either of those two spots uh, because they know that there's a great chance that Jeff Okuda would still be there. And if he's not there for some reason, uh, then, you know, whether that's the giants you know, pulling a surprise and taking Okuda there, or maybe a team trading up to get him, uh, even if that he's off the board, the lions are going to be just fine with Isaiah Simmons or Derek brown, they they still get that defensive playmaker. and that's what they're looking for uh, with this first round pick. So uh, it just comes down to they get the offer that they've been looking for. And it might it's not going to be an extra first rounder. Uh, I think they're holding out for uh, a day on day two pick. I think they're hoping for a second rounder, but they might settle for a third rounder, uh, considering they're only moving back, uh, you know, maybe two spots. So it's something that is, you know, they are they have made it well known. They are willing to move back. It's just a matter of do they get the Dolphins or uh, the Chargers to bite? And there's a lot of intrigue there with five and six because it's it's all about the quarterbacks and Herbert and Tua and Tua is the biggest wild card of this entire thing because we just don't know what the medical evaluation is. You know each team has different doctors and they have their own their own set of criteria. And even if we knew exactly what the doctors were saying to uh, each general manager, we don't know how that general manager is going to digest that information. We, each general manager has a different different appetite for risk in terms of, okay, the doctor says that there's a 50-50 shot, two is going to stay healthy throughout uh, his rookie contract. Okay, well, one general manager might might hear that and say, okay, great, that's worth the risk. Another general manager might say, eh, that's that's too rich for us. Uh, you know, we're, we want something more of a sure thing. And that's where Justin Herbert comes into play. So it's a really tough thing to peg exactly where Tua is going to end up or is it the Chargers at six is it going to be as simple as they're going to draft a quarterback that the Dolphins don't I, for all we know, you know it's not going to be that simple so these quarterbacks uh, specifically Herbert and Tua in that five six spot it's a really fascinating part of the draft and I don't think we're talking enough about the possibility if Tua did fall out of the top six where would he land at that in that scenario I think that's when thing you know I'll bet are off and it's just uh you know good luck trying to figure out where he lands in that scenario so let's say the Lions don't get the
1: offer they want at three and they do take Mm -hmm. Okuda at three you've got in your latest mock draft you've got Herbert at five to the Dolphins and
2: Tua at six to the Chargers why are you leaning that way with, with with Herbert going before Tua well, and, and I, I, I leaving the combine uh, in early March, uh, I tweeted that I, I think there's a very good chance Justin Herbert's the second quarterback drafted, uh, just leaving Indianapolis and getting, uh, you know, the sense from different teams, uh, you know, they, they all kind of said the same thing. They're, they're cautiously optimistic about Tua and the medicals, but n- I, didn't, I didn't hear from a single person uh, with a team that said, uh, oh yeah, you know, we, we feel great about where he was and, and the diagnosis and, you know, projecting him forward medically, and holding up, you know, his body holding up things like that, it, it just it makes it really tough. And so you look at the Dolphins, and I think they might be in a scenario where they take the the, the safer pick. And you know, there's no such thing as a safe pick when you talk quarterbacks in the top ten. Um, and, and Herbert is far from a sure thing but he's at least you feel better about him staying healthy um, you know he there's a lot to like about him as a quarterback um, you know still have some question marks Tua, if all things are equal and all both players are healthy to is by far the better player uh, but if you're talking about, you have to project forward with with injuries and so it's just it's just a guess I mean Tua could end up going five and you know it's something that we're we're all just maybe overthinking it because of the medical situation but uh, I think that Herbert is definitely in play there uh, for the Dolphins at number
0: so the, the you know we talked about those locks so one of the bets you can make and a very popular bet is you know first player taken at a position we all know burrow's going to be the first quarterback young the first mm-hmm. defensive player uh, defensive end we know the simmons linebacker uh, okuda corner uh, things get really interesting kind of when we get to the other skill positions there at running back and wide receiver i know there is a lot of people who think that you know prefer taylor over swift a lot of people prefer swift over taylor dobbins gets mm-hmm. in to the conversation in your Mock draft there and then at wide receiver the the debate between Judy Lamb and Ruggs um, tell us why you kind of is was it more of a fit thing the way that you have it in your draft with Dobbins going first or do you actually uh, prefer him as a player and then what do you feel shakes out at the wide receiver position.
2: I, I do prefer Dobbins as a player. I, I give him just the slightest edge over Taylor and Swift uh, and Clyde Edwards Alaire. Uh, but also in my mock, I haven't going into the Dolphins at twenty six. The Dolphins have done A lot of work on Dobbins um, You know he was One of the few 30 visits that we Actually had Very early in March um, You know we just b- b- You know they got Cut off after a few days And so that was Actually one that Actually happened That took place And so the Dolphins Have done plenty of work On J.K. Dobbins um, And it's I know they like him Do they like him Over Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift I, I, I don't know that for sure it, It's tougher At this time of year When we don't have These visits And things like that So um, just a little bit of a, a hunch on my part that I think Dobbins uh, is, is high on their board and someone that they're going to consider at the 26th pick. Um, and the receivers the sh- receivers are tougher, especially because I do think we're going to see some trade action right there, at, you know, right outside the top 10, maybe right at 10. The Browns would love to trade back uh, at the 10th pick. Uh, is that where we see uh, Denver at 15 maybe move up a few spots to ensure that they get the top receiver on their board? Um, Atlanta at 16, I think they're open for business in terms of a Trade up. Uh, they've got their eyes on uh, some corners. They could possibly go Kinlaw. Um, they've even been talking about offensive tackle. So the, the Falcons are are wide open. Um, and so these receivers, uh, it's tough because I think we are going to see some some action that could uh, change how we view the, the which receiver is going to be for the first off the board. Um, I, it's it, it is really tough to peg you know which one has the best shot because I, I think I can make a case for each one of these guys. Uh, you because know, they each offer something different. With Rugs, it's the world class speed and explosiveness uh with jerry judy as the route running uh, and with uh, lamb it's it's the ability at the catch point it's the yak skills so uh i think it really comes down to who's going to be making the pick and uh you, you know it's w- which which type of receiver are they going to prefer so um I, I think that all three of those receivers have a chance to be the first uh, off the board Our listeners will be interested to hear that about Dobbins. Uh, He's around five to
1: one be the first running back taken in the draft. So that would be a nice little payout if Dobbins was the first running back taken. Let's move into another market. That's pretty popular. Uh, How many of these position is taken in the first round quarterbacks, the most popular year to year Uh, this year between four, four and a half is the line. Mm -hmm. As far as the number of quarterbacks taken in the first round, you've got three in your latest mock draft. You've got Jordan love just outside the first round. Any reason, you could see him falling out of the first round. A lot of a lot of mock
2: drafts have love going in the first round because I have yet to find some a team that says they love him. Um, you know, a lot of teams like him. Uh, there's a lot to like, but he's, you know, it's a scenario where uh, it's based more on potential than, you know, that he has the skills, but there's some, you know, the decision-making there's uh, things missing from his evaluation. And then just when you do a mock draft, it's tough to find a landing spot because, you know, the Colts traded out of the first round, the bucks aren't going to draft a quarterback in the first round. Now the Patriots, you just never know what they're going to do. You can't rule it out, but I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback at the first. Now I didn't do any trades in my mock. And there is a very likely scenario where a team trades into the late half of round 1 to get a Jordan Love you get that 5th year option um you know you jump ahead of some other teams just to make sure you get your guy and i think that's that's a possibility um but i i think there's also the possibility he could be this year's Drew Lock where he falls to the early portion of round 2 and still ends up you know getting on the field and being productive but because not everybody loves him um you know it's it's tougher to pull the trigger there in the first round so there is a scenario where uh Jordan Love falls to the early portion of round 2 Um, I think maybe the most likely thing is a team trading up in the round one to get him. But, uh, I think both possibilities are there. I know you don't have first round grades on uh, Jalen hurts or Jake Fromm. any chance. Any of those guys, uh, find their way into the first round. I'd be very surprised. I, I, I would, I mean, from, uh, he's going to win over coaching staffs. Um, but I just don't think that you need to take him the first round to get him. And so I'd be surprised if that happened. And then hurts. Uh, he's a guy that everybody loves. You want him in your building, but you know, it's, it's honestly, it's kind of like the Tim Tebow conversation and Tebow ended up going in the first round. So I, I, I'll never say never. Uh, but you know, he's a limited passer who, um, you just kind of want to be around. You want him on your roster. You want him to be part of what you're doing. Um, um, but to use a first round pick on that it seems like, uh, you know, just be way more expensive than it, it should be. Now, he might end up going top 50, which is earlier than I think a lot of people uh, think or, you know, what where you ideally would like to get him. But that happens with all quarterbacks. They kind of get artificially pushed up. Um, it's just the nature of, of the position. Um, but still, I, I would be surprised if he landed in round one. You've been extremely high in this wide receiver class For I think the last year You've you've been talking about it
1: a lot Uh, The the over under on wide receivers Draft in the first round is around five And a half you only had five in your mock draft Do you think because the the class Is so deep you're going to see some teams wait And try to scoop them up in the second third round
2: That's exactly it and you know Especially when you look at say tackle For example we might see seven Tackles go in the first round but there's a Huge drop off in round two So a team's going to look at it and say You know, we we feel we really like, uh, you know, Denzel Mims or Brandon Ayuk, but we feel really good about Michael Pittman in round two or, you know, our options that we're going to have round two, round three, round four. So we're going to get our tackle now. We're going to get our edge rusher now. We're going to get our corner now. Um, And so I think that's that's a likely possibility. Now, we're still going to see these receivers fly off the board. Um, You know, the top three we, we mentioned with Judy Ruggs and uh lamb and then you know denzel mims gonna go in the first round i feel pretty confident about that um i think brandon iuk has a very good chance to go in the first round and then justin jefferson as well so uh it's we, we i think those six players good chance are off the board in the first round um but whether it's five or six that's uh you know that that's kind of the, the two numbers i'd be looking at so uh no no surprise if the over under ends up at five and a half
0: Before we let you get out of here, of course, we have to ask you, you know, what are what is something that you would not shock you that would shock the world that could go on out there? I mean, could it be one of these teams uh, you know, getting up, you know, we we look at these teams That might need a quarterback A, a Steelers, a Patriots, a Saints Even a Raiders mm-hmm. that has been floated Like, what would shock you What would not shock you, but would shock the world If it went on in the first round here Because that's what everyone's looking for What's a, what's a shocker, what's a value What's some sort of play they could make That pays long shot odds or something like that uh, What's something that you've at least heard Minimal rumors about that wouldn't shock you If it happened
2: I think just looking for certain players that are going to go higher than we expect. Um, you know, I think you look at uh, AJ Terrell from Clemson, the corner, he could go in the top 15. Um, you know, maybe he goes even higher than that just because he's you know, six, hundred ninety-five pounds, ran a four, four, two. Uh, there's a lot to like about him, just the traits. And so some of these corners uh, with Okuda, CJ Henderson, AJ Terrell, all three can go in the top 15. Uh, I think there's a, a possibility of that. And then, I think when you get to the late first round, that's when things are going to get really interesting with some trade action. Um, I think we might see some teams that maybe we didn't anticipate taking uh, one of these one of these running backs. Uh, And I'm looking at Seattle. I think that, you know, they I think they are going to be tempted to take Jonathan Taylor at that spot at 27, which you know, they took a running back in the first round two years ago. Uh, and that's obviously hasn't worked out part of his injury wise, but if they see the value there, you know, John Schneider is not afraid to pull the trigger. And so I would not be surprised if we saw maybe a, a surprise pick like that because these running backs are so good. It's just, you know, where, where do you, where, you know, there's not those obvious landing spots at the end of round one. And so Jonathan Taylor, Swift, Dobbins, Edwards, Alaire, um, you know, they're, they're too good to fall too far. And so some of these teams are going to feel, uh, you know, that value there. And I think Seattle at 27 could be one of those teams.
0: Guys, if you do not have a subscription to the athletic one, what in the hell are you doing, but go out and get <laughs> one. It is some of the very best sports writing you will ever get. And you can find Dane's work. Over there, Dane, thanks for taking the time. Really do appreciate it. I know this is a, an incredibly busy time of year for you.
2: Any guys, anytime, guys, take care. Appreciate it.
0: Brett, that was a good get on your part to get Dane to come join us here. You know, again, less than a week before the NFL draft and what an NFL draft that this is going to be. You know, we asked him, I, you know, right at the top there, I was kind of curious whether he thought that this meant with the way that things are going more trades fewer trades whatever and then he kind of gave us some insight that you get from a guy that has been doing this as long as he has where he said hey you know i imagine it's just going to be kind of business as usual cuz most of these trades are kind of happening in the week leading in yeah they get formalized the the night of but you know the how these things are going to break down and you kind of let a team know like all right i'm willing to move up into your spot here so if we did this how would this work out yada 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 so now we know a lot of these trades really happen kind of like before the draft even starts.
1: Yeah, but that said, this is still unprecedented. I mean, this, we've never seen anything like, like this before leading up to the draft. So I think from a betting perspective, it might be smart to wager on just unpredictability this year more than ever, ever before. I don't I think I think this thing could go a lot of ways once you once you get past the first two picks. I think this could go a lot of different ways. So uh, you and me I don't both, know.
0: like I actually honestly believe that, you know, with and in, and, you know, Dane even said it is the fact that there hasn't been these meetings. There hasn't been these, uh, you know, there hasn't been these pro days where a bunch of guys get together and all that. One of the other things I think that that's going to eliminate is, is probably like groupthink as well. Right. I mean, it, a lot of these scouts probably get together at these different various pro days and, They just start talking about what they think about a guy. And I imagine you've, we see this all the time, right? I mean, like when people handicap football games or handicap this or talk about a different player, if enough people start saying it or enough people start thinking, then that becomes the narrative of that guy or that player of that team or however it might be, you know, that spreads off or that totals too low or whatever it might be. And everyone's just banging the same drum. Well, if these guys hadn't been able to spend all this time around each other and they haven't been, you know, going out and eating and having drinks after they go to these pro days and all this stuff. I imagine, like you said, some unpredictability is just inevitable because the groupthink mentality is not going to be there.
1: Yeah. These guys are in the same war rooms together all, all off season. That's not happening right now. Some of my favorite content throughout the year in the NFL is, is just that these guys talking about their, their process of, you know, who they like, who they don't like that kind of stuff. I know a lot of teams did that last year. I'm wondering if, if, There is going to be that kind of content this year. Just I would love to be inside uh, those offices, those empty offices, really, with these guys just, I guess, talking about it on conference calls. Like, how is how is that different this year than years past and, you know, how their process has changed? Because this is a this is a big deal. I mean, this is their this is their year. So, I mean, I. I'm really curious to see how teams approach it this year. And I, I I think it's going to be, you know, just looking at all the different mock drafts out there. I think it's going to (laughs) be, things could go, come off the rail starting right at pick three. Like we talked about.
0: If you are a believer in what we were getting from Dane right now, you can look over here and Jordan love his draft over under on draftkings is set at 19 and a half right now and so you could take the over at just minus 150 so you're not even laying crazy juice or anything like that uh minus 150 on the over of jordan love um that's one of the things that just from that interview that kind of popped out to me for sure i think one of the other things that it, and you you asked him about the the quarterbacks just in general there I guess what the door that he did leave open, Brett, was the fact that once you get towards the later end of the first round, there is at least the chance for things to start getting wacky because teams either start trading up or there's been a run on a certain position. And so they feel like they need to make sure to get their guy at that position before the well runs dry. So I think kind of when you start looking at these teams that are quote unquote Kinda good, and so they're going to be drafting certainly for a a a specific way. I mean, once you get to pick twenty one, and things go Eagles, Vikings, Patriots, Saints, then the Vikings again. That you know, you got the Dolphins there at twenty six, but then it gets to the Seahawks at twenty seven, the Ravens at twenty eight, the Titans, the Packers. So you're you're looking at these teams here that pretty good teams and they might really get aggressive there at the end of the first round. I think that that's where we're going to see some of our jaws drop because, you know, you look at a team like the Saints, for example, Brett, I mean, you and I'm not talking just as a homer here, but I'm just talking in, in, in reality. I mean, there's not a lot of holes on that Saints team, right? I mean, they went out that everyone was thinking, okay, they're going to get a wide receiver for sure. And then they go out and sign Manny Sanders. And so now, It's kind of like, well, maybe they don't need a wide receiver there in the first round. That first round pick for the Saints could be an incredibly intriguing pick and an incredibly big wild card. It wouldn't surprise me if they took a shot on taking love uh, in the first round, you know, sitting there at 24. They know Drew Brees probably going to retire after this year. Maybe you're getting two years out of him. Well, if that's the case, would you not want a guy like Love, who everybody was so high on just a year ago, played on a bad team this past year, sitting under a guy like Drew Brees? And like you mentioned, you get that fifth year option if you take him in the first round.
1: Yeah, I could see that happening. All the quarterback stuff is super interesting. I mean, Dane mentioned that the possibility of Tua dropping because of the concerns of the injuries, how far could Tua drop? And looking at some of these odds here, like Carolina, plus 3,300 to draft Tua, could he fall that far, could the Patriots trade up and grab him the Patriots at plus two thousand to get Tua? I mean, I think there are the opportunities there for him to fall past maybe Miami, maybe l a. and then and if he falls past six, then anything can happen. So uh, I'm so excited, man. this yeah. is, like all this just gets me so pumped up because we've <laughs> had nothing going on for the past month. There's just so many different ways that this could go down.
0: Yeah, we will be back, as we mentioned on Wednesday, with all of our favorite, our very favorite draft picks yeah. and and all our favorite props. The one thing I do want to mention here, because I think this number could end up uh, disappearing. Now, Dane does have a running back going in his first round, but he had Dobbins, which really nobody else has going in the first round. But, Brett, the majority, and I've looked at, you know, just doing research here for the, the, the content that we're doing over at the lines and on the YouTube page and whatnot. You know, I've now gone through, you know, 10 of the most respected mock drafts out there, in my opinion, right? I mean, we're still going to listen, we're still going to look at the the Kuiper and the McShay ones because they still do get a ton of information. Obviously Danes is one of them. I think that Daniel Jeremiah's is one of the more actionable ones that I've been able to look at over the course of the years. I honestly think that some of these uh, you know high level sports better fantasy guys know uh, you know a pretty good amount at least about the first round as it is anyway. So, ingesting a lot of these mock drafts and the majority of these drafts, version 1s and version 2s had Swift going in the first round. Once we've started to get in these version 3s and 4s and 5s, a, mo- a lot of these don't have any running backs going in the first round and you can still get over 2 to 1 on the no running back in the first round and I think that there will be teams that, you know, when it comes around, say as as Dane mentioned, boy These these top seven or eight offensive linemen are really awesome. And once we get past that, it's a real big drop off. I can get a running back later. I'm going to take this offensive lineman or man, these top seven wide receivers. I understand it's a deep class, but these top seven are really, really awesome. I think I'm going to take this guy and I'll you know, I can get a running back later. I don't know, man. It's just getting over two to one to me is a bet that uh, I jumped on. I've jumped on it at every book that it was available for me to, to jump on. And it just seems like I'm paying, I'm really betting the price more than anything. Right. I mean, you're looking at getting over two to one on what I think is a coin flip. And so I'll take those odds all day long.
1: It's, it's it's crazy to say because of all the talent, there is a running back this year, but I think because there is so much talent, teams feel like they can wait on the top. I think there's there's five guys that are you can even add six if you like Zach Moss. There's six, maybe five six guys that could potentially be like first round talent guys, but they the teams don't need to reach on on a running back this year. So I could see it happening. And, and as far as like the first running back taken, I'm I Swift is my favorite guy, but a lot a lot of people are are talking about Dobbins now. So I'm, I'm surprised to see Dobbins at plus 500 still to be the first taken, especially now that, you know, Dane is, is got him going first and all this talk about the dolphins possibly taking Dobbins with him, bringing him in a couple times. That's one that I will, I will definitely have Dobbins being the first running back taken in in my account. I just, I just think the price there is too good. So,
0: and and that's the thing is, 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 is you look in, and as he mentioned, it's really the only thing that makes sense, right? Because, And if you look at these other teams, I mean, you you understand the talent that a guy like Swift and Taylor and all these guys bring or whatever, but there is no team that's really hurting for a running back, you know, that that doesn't that doesn't have massively huge pressing needs elsewhere other than and the reason we would only consider it being the Dolphins is because they have so much draft capital. I mean, if we're talking if they only had a pick or two picks or whatever. there's no, there's no chance that they're taking a running back because they have so many other needs at so many other places but you know with all that draft capital i guess you could see them investing early in a running back but it's kind of like you just said okay if you like dobbins if you miss out on him and you get swift are you heartbroken or if you miss yeah. out on them and you get taylor are you heartbroken or even at that point elaire or akers or moss are you are you really feeling all that bad about any of those guys over any of the other guys. And so I don't know. I guess that's just where I kind of started looking. It was just the need for a running back really only seems desperate at the Dolphins. And do the Dolphins decide to build elsewhere and, and just use one of those later picks for one of these other guys? I I don't know. Two two I got I, I've gotten plus two twenty, plus two fifteen, and plus two ten on no running back in the first round.
1: I think the Dolphins are your biggest sweat by far, and it's kind of the same situation as the the Raiders last year. They had all that draft capital, so they could take a Josh Jacobs in the first right. round. The Miami's kind of they're not in the same. They don't have the wealth of picks the Raiders had last year, but they're kind of in the same spot to where if you know if their guys are off the board, you take the best player available, I guess, in, in a Swift or a Dobbins or a Taylor. So I think that's probably the, the the really the the biggest sweat you'll have with that with that pick or with that bet. We
0: will also have, you know, pretty much the final versions of all the mock drafts out there. So we'll do some tallying on those yeah. as well. Uh, let you guys know. I mean, you know, of course, the uh, number of LSU players, number of Alabama players, number of SEC players, uh, offense compared to defense. All These are all props that you can make. We'll kind of try to get you a consensus of the, the mock drafts that are out there as well and give you an idea of where people are leaning as far as, uh, you know, all of those different bets that you can make and it's just going to be such a such a fun time and again we're 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 putting out content videos all kinds of stuff over the lines to be sure and head over there and get it done special thanks to dane for stopping by and chatting with us. for brett i'm matt talk to you guys next week